Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Ask a Deaf Doula. My name is Suzanne O'Brien. Today is one of my favorite subjects within this space. Why? Because it has the power and the possibilities to heal, to create inspiration, new perspective for people in this life that we're living in. And that is absolutely everything. So welcome. My name is Susanna Bryan. Today, we are talking about death and spirituality. Yes, I did say that, death and spirituality. So for those of you who may not know my background, my name is Susanna Bryan. I am a registered nurse by trade. And I've worked most of my nursing career in hospice care, which is end of life care and or oncology care, which is cancer care. And I have had the honor and privilege to work with over a thousand patients and their families at the end of life from all over the world, from all different backgrounds, cultures, religions, socioeconomic status, different places in the world. And I was struck immediately by the common themes that would come up, the same things that people would say as they were approaching that end of life, these pearls of wisdom, what I call spiritual eyes and all different types of backgrounds. And again, what I have been privileged to be seeing, knowing, experiencing, and also what my patients are sharing with me at the end of life has taught me everything about how to live, has absolutely allowed me to throw out the rule book of what we've been taught is important and the goals and what is the whole point of life? And is this journey so much more than most of us think? And the answer to that is absolutely yes, as far as I'm concerned, and I will share with you everything that I know. So on this podcast, we are going to talk about death and spirituality. And many of you, if you've taken the Dooley Givers trainings, you the free level one family caregiver training that, by the way, is given every month for free online. I teach it live online and I stay on and I will answer all of your questions after the actual training. We have trained over 124,000 people worldwide with that training, and it has worked for so many people to make a better positive end of life for not only that person, but for their families as well. And of course, if you know by now, we have launched the 1 Million People Trained campaign where we are out on a platform to have 1 million people take this free training because it makes that much of a difference. So we do that all of the time. And again, if you have taken that training, you know very well that it is infused with beautiful bedside stories that will talk about the spiritual essence of end of life. I will often reference that transition phase as the place where in physics, everything is energy, right? And everything is energy. But we talk about the four bodies of energy being part of our being. So you and I, right now, right here, have four different bodies of energy that comprise us. Physical, mental, emotional, and the spiritual. And whether you are a believer or not, or whether you have a practice in religion or not, the spiritual, at the end of life, organically, the physical body is declining and the spiritual body is growing. And I have been with so many people at the end of life where I have been privileged 
to see this occur. What's happening is that physical body, how we define ourselves in this world for the most part is based on the mental body of energy, the analytical, the ego body, the subconscious. So that's a category, right? What you look like, um, how much money you have, what kind of work did you do? What kind of schooling did you have? All of those labels what happens at the end of life, and it's so powerful and so beautiful, is that the physical body is declining organically, right? It's diminishing that energy body and the spiritual body part of us is growing. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to do anything. It is. It's happening because that is the essence in which, again, you are now transforming. So energy in its definition cannot be destroyed. And we are energy, our thoughts are energy, our bodies are energy. It cannot be destroyed. That's fifth grade science. It can only change form. It can only be a solid, a liquid, or a gas. Maybe you remember that. So what I have really witnessed and believe in my heart, one billion percent, is that we always exist. That there is so much more going on in this journey than most of us have been privileged to learn, to know, or to access. And that at the end of life, the end of life can teach us everything about life, but we don't see it. Most of us haven't seen it. We're petrified by it. It's the number one fear in our world, end of life. And we're not privileged to experience that connection, but also to witness and to hear the spiritual universal laws about this experience, which I'm going to share with you today. So for me, working with those at the end of life has taught me everything about how to live. And it has completely changed this journey and my perspective in this world. And my life has been so blessed and so full of love and connection and purpose. So I want to share those pearls, those universal laws, and just hope that this brings again healing if you are in need of healing or inspiration and the definition of inspiration is in spirit so that part of us right that's the spiritual body when you get an inspiration of something or you feel that complete connection to something so much greater than you that you are part of something so much greater than just you. That is that inspiration. That is that in spirit. And it's an energetic flow. It's a matching of an energetic frequency, that energy part of you that is the highest consciousness, that is the all-knowing, all full of wisdom, and really the truth of who you are. So at the end of life, when I'm sitting with people, and many times they've woken up from a nap or what's called, you know, sleep state, and they've had all this new information all of this new information. So for me, I firmly believe that with this theory of the physical body declining and the spiritual body of energy raising as they're going towards their end of life, there is one part of their journey where people have one foot in this world, this physical world, and one foot in the next world, both at the same time. And this allows them to, I believe they go back and forth before they fully leave and it allows them to have access to understanding and knowing where they're going. It also 
allows them to have access to this much bigger perspective, what I call spiritual eyes. I call it, they get their spiritual eyes, they get their spiritual wisdom. And there's a place organically, again, where they will look back at their life's journey with the spiritual perspective now that allows them to make sense of regrets and of past experiences and of anger and circumstance and all of that, it starts to all make sense. And this organic space is a beautiful time of forgiveness, of giving forgiveness, not only to others, but to yourself. So there is an absolute wonder and beauty that happens in this sacred experience called end of life. And the fact that we, for the most part, as a world have not seen end of life with our loved ones. We really don't even see the aging so much anymore, but that end of life piece, and we don't prepare for it and we don't have time with it, we're missing out on, in my opinion, one of the greatest teachers about life is end of life. Teach you everything, teach you presence. It'll teach you to live life each day as one little lifetime with, again, the being present, being grateful, being of service, and really having no judgment. These are the universal laws that people share, and they're so incredibly powerful and beautiful. So I want to share with you again that spirituality and death is one of the most empowering topics and conversations that we could ever share. And for those who, again, have had that inside look at end of life and what it's like for families and patients and can share what that looks like in something that is the number one fear right now is a very important thing to do. This platform of allowing a safe, beautiful, loving space to step into what that really is like, not what you see in the movies, not what somebody's told you, not what maybe a first bad experience when you were younger because you were shielded and people weren't being honest with you or whatever it was, what it was, the truth of it. You know, death used to be revered as one of the sacred passages of life. That needs to come back again. It's only in the last hundred years that we've got completely lost. And it's so interesting because when I came into this field, you know, I was called, it calls you, it picks you, somebody said, you don't pick it, it's a calling. And I remember when I stepped into it in the medical profession and even in hospice care, that people were not acknowledging that death was a part of the journey, that they were doing everything they could possibly do to run the other way. And I'm not even talking just about patients and families, I'm talking about the medical profession and it's no one's fault. But I had to say, what happened here? What happened that we became so far removed from death being a natural part of our life's journey for something that is 100% guaranteed for each and every one of us and for those we love? How did we get here? So it's what my mom calls the perfect storm. In the last 100 years, life expectancy has doubled, went from 46 to 80. The medical profession they have made wonderful medical advances in the last hundred years, but we have forgot to teach doctors that people die. 
and that it's not only okay, but that they can support them and maybe one of the most important places that they give their care. So we've taught them how to fix it. We've taught them how to keep people alive. Well, keeping people alive and living are two very different things. And so with this combination of what I call the elements, it has gone completely awry to the point that I've had pe people in their 90s where they get a terminal diagnosis and the family says, what do you mean they have a terminal diagnosis? Fix it, doctor, fix it. I've had doctors call me up and say, you have to help us. And I said, what can we do? And they said, you know, they're expecting us to fix this. They're expecting us to intubate. They're, they want us to do things that we know should not be done. And it's happening so very quickly that they're left with no choice many times than just to do what the family wants. So bringing back this awareness that end of life is not only a part of our journey, but that it, it can be, and in my opinion, is our greatest teacher about life. And there's so much beauty that you experience with the connection at the end of life, with the inspiration, knowing that there, there are universal laws that govern all of humanity, presence, compassion, that we're all connected all of these universal themes, all of these things that, again, when I started today talking about that, no matter where you are in the world, no matter culture, religion, people were saying the same things at the end of life, their, their spiritual awareness, their aha, their before they leave, they get it. They go, I understand now. They were saying the same things, and I want to share those with you. So one of the things that I will share that is very common and I think changes the perspective of how we look at end of life completely is that it's very common for people at the end of life to see people that have died already come back to help cross them over. Now, one of the things that my families will say to me is that, you know, my mom was talking about that her mom was here last night and, you know, she's saying all this stuff that, you know, her mom was here and, you know, we tell her mom, stop it because it, because again, remember the fear of end of life right now. People are petrified and most people die in the home. A lot of people die in the home. They want to be in the home and families don't know the first thing for the most part about how to do that care. So they're petrified. Death is the number one fear. We're going to change that. We're going to change that. And organically towards the end means you're probably a couple of days with within that, that time frame of that person having their end of life people will often see people who've already died before. And what this is, let me share with you from the energetic perspective. When I shared with you that the spiritual body is declining, the physical body, I'm sorry, <laughs> the physical body is declining, the spiritual body is growing, that they're able to be in this world and the next world, and they're able to see people from both, from both. So what I am told is that people will come back to help cross you over. Now, if that doesn't completely open your mind and throw out your rule book to a whole greater journey that we are embraced in right now. And one of the things that think about it, when somebody sees their mother for the first time in 30 years, whether you believe that or not, I will tell you that it's almost indescribable the peace 
the serenity, the excitement that that person is experiencing. So again, whether you believe it or not, and I hope you are open-minded, when you're with somebody who's at end of life and they've had this or share this experience, it bursts your heart open and there is a peace and serenity that you can't even imagine how beautiful that is. But I want you to know that this is a very common thing, that people will talk about that. So the thing that I share with doulas, with families, is that when somebody says that, number one, know that they are within a few days of having their actual end of life, because that's where the energy is. But number two, think about what that means. Think about this grander picture. What, what is, what's going on? What is the point of life? So I want to share with you a story about one of my beautiful oncology patients. And let's call her Mary to give her privacy. I was nursing in oncology and I was doing the Friday, Saturday and Sunday shifts and long days, those 15 hour shifts. God bless our nurses, right? They work so hard. And this woman had, she was in her forties and she had gallbladder cancer and she was under chemotherapy and treatment for that cancer and she, it brittled her bones and she broke her hip. And so she came into the oncology unit and she came in on a Friday with her sister and immediately you know, felt this connection. You fall in love with your patients all the time. They were, they were really scared what was going on, but you know, got to know them, built the trust with them and really was you know, on this journey with both of them in, in presence and compassion and really wanted to be again of the highest service with where they were. So that was on Friday. On Saturday, the end of my shift as a nurse on Saturday, this woman, Mary, was on the bedside commode. So it was just a turn and pivot to her bed. And I helped her back, just turn and pivot to her bed. And she was out of breath. And that was a totally new finding for her. She was young. She was in her 40s. And I, we both stopped for a minute. And I, you know, she was out of breath. And I said, Mary, do you want oxygen? You know, to put the nasal cannula on. And she said, no, you know, we had both kind of, I think you take that moment in, like when you know that something is not right. And so she got back in bed and I gave report to the nighttime nurse. And the next day when I came in, the nurse, Linda was giving me a report. And she said, you know, that night she kept breathing, uh, shortness of breath and all that. They did some testing and they found that she had blown a blood clot to her lung, pulmonary emboli. This is not a good thing. And on Sunday in the hospital, we're on usually a fragmented schedule. The doctors come in, you know, different. It's not, it's not the normal Monday through Friday. It's a little bit different. And I remember when that doctor came in later that afternoon, she was like, what is happening? What's going on? And, you know, we're, we told her she has shortness of breath. It's gotten worse as the day progresses. She has a blood clot to her lung, pulmonary emboli. And, and this doctor was like trying to figure out, okay. And so I remember I used to have this habit of, of doing rounds with the doctors so I could go into the, the room of the patient and make sure I heard exactly what the doctor was saying to the patient and the family so that, that I knew that the patient heard or understood or I could reinforce it. And I remember we walked through that hospital room door and the minute we both walked through, Mary said to the doctor, I just wanna thank you for everything you've done for me. And I remember turning to look at the doctor's face and tears were streaming down her face. 
And in that moment, Mary was telling the doctor that she was going to die before any of us knew it. There is a higher knowing, there is a higher wisdom, there is a higher part of us that is knowing everything, that is, again, that spiritual wisdom and part of us. So we talked for a little bit. We went out to the nurse's station. I remember the doctor saying, you know, we have to do something. What do we, what can we do? We have to do something. The only thing you can do for a blood clot like that is to hang a bag of blood thinners. And this woman had very low platelet count. She didn't have clotting factors due to her chemotherapy. She would have bled out. In essence, there was nothing we could do. And Mary told us that. So here's the thing. This woman had a son. She had one son that was young, about 11 years old. And we didn't have a lot of time. And I remember saying to Mary, I said, do you want your son to come to the hospital and see you? And her, her sister was behind the bed. So I'm standing here, I'm talking to Mary here saying, do you want your son to come to the hospital? The sister was behind Mary. And if looks could kill, she gave me a look like, how dare me even suggest that? You know, I think you have to remember that with end of life, everyone's fear, everyone is having different reactions and it's all understandable and we have to have compassion for all of it. But the other thing is we know that we don't have a lot of time. And I always would think this 11 year old boy, his mother was dropped off at the hospital two days before with a fracture. And now someone's gonna have to go tell him that she's, she had died. Think of the trauma of that. So. She thought about it, Mary thought about it, and she actually said, yeah, I would like him to come. And I remember that this is on Sunday, and he came, and I remember meeting him before he went into the hospital room, sharing with him, you know, how she was breathing, what was happening, that she was very pale from this, so that he wouldn't be so shocked there, and also shared with him the many beautiful stories that his mother had shared about how much she loved him. So we went into the hospital room, and he, talked with her and he helped care for her. And then they told me that at 11 o'clock, then he wanted to leave the room, which was fine. And they told me at 11 o'clock that night, Mary woke up from a nap from sleep and said, get my sister, I'm transitioning. With all the excitement that and you would have from an eight-year-old child, you just told you're going to Disney World. And they went and they got the sister from the nursing lounge who was resting, she came into the hospital room and Mary said, I'm transitioning again with all of the excitement. So I ask you this, what did Mary see when she was sleeping? What did she know? What did she see that not only allowed her to be at peace in this moment, but to have that kind of excitement? And they said at about one o'clock at night, she went into a deep sleep and she died at about 5 a.m. And they said that the, the sun rose um, on the river and just this orange, beautiful light was all throughout her hospital room. So I want to share with you, that is just one of the stories that I have related to this beautiful space towards the end where the spiritual body has grown and has access and insights to the greater essence of this journey. So 
death and spirituality. One of my favorite topics, bar none. And I'm going to share with you again, many different journeys and stories from patients and families that write into us after taking the doula givers level one caregiver about their experience with their loved one, how they're able to be not afraid and more um, present with them. And then they share what these beautiful spiritual moments were like for them. And so I am going to, again, share them with you. So what I also want to share is that the next Death Doula Global Summit is going to be all about the spiritual side of the end-of-life experience, because that, again, is our greatest teacher, and it is such a form of inspiration for living. So I'm so excited, and we'll announce that um, when it comes. Now, I want to share with you something special that's happening and it's all related to this topic. We love the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation, and I have to share, and I often will reference Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross as being, you know, a great strength for me, a great, again, inspiration for me, because when I first started this journey as that young hospice nurse and oncology nurse, and it was not going well, I, I said, what's happening? Who can talk on this subject? So again, listening to her and having her be such an incredible pioneer in this space, we would not be in this movement at this moment with all of these open doors worldwide without the work, the groundbreaking work of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and she continues to light and guide our way. So the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross Foundation is having an eight week educational series on death and spirituality. And it starts today on the 21st of October and it goes for, till December 16th. It's eight weeks, it's once a week, it's on Zoom. I'm gonna put the information below. If you'd like to take part in that, you can. Again, it is an eight week educational series and it's a multicultural view on spirituality and death. And again, love, love, love bringing us together. We are so much more similar than different. And death teaches us that. And not only at the end of life, but it teaches us about right here, right now, and the foundational truths. So let's embrace the beauty and the teaching that death can bring us, but also the fact that let's share with each other what can be empowering information, support education, so that each one of us has the tools that we need to feel comfortable, to be present, and to be able to be of assistance to those that we love at the end of life. Because it's one of the greatest places we could ever show up is to walk that journey, to bear witness, and to be there for someone at the end of life, holding that space for them physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually loving them as they are leaving this world. But we need the tools to do that. So again, if you haven't already taken part in the level one end of life doula training by doula givers, it is free. It is every month and I will stay on and answer all of your questions after the actual training. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. This is again, Ask a Death Doula. My name is Suzanne O'Brien, and I will see you in the next episode.